I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole, hmm? You could say that. I can see it in your eyes. You have the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he is expecting to wake up. Welcome to Team Rabbit Hole Edition 235 with Juliana Garces, painting the big picture, artist, teacher, Colombian-American Capricorn. Join the team as we get to know Juliana, a creative spirit and entrepreneur who uses art as a way to change consciousness. Well met. Hello. How's it going? using jitsi uh instead of mumble so this is kind of a technological switcheroo for me so thanks for bearing with us during uh the birth pangs of this process so something we tend to do on uh, the beginning of the podcast is to correspond the episode number with a major arcana of the um tarot cards and Raphael, i think will be doing an angel card um, he's done alien cards, galactic heritage cards and stuff, uh, but he's on angels as of recently. In any event, you're up to 235. That's five plus five is 10. 10 goes to one, which is uh, the magician. And uh, in this deck, the Starman Tarot deck by David DeAngelis, who's actually been on the podcast a few times, uh, shout out. Uh, it's the Starman instead of the magician. It says, I will blow your mind. The alchemist or the Starman is about manifesting your reality. Ideas are communicated and brought into the physical world with ease. You have everything you need to create the world you desire. This is about reconfiguring yourself in liberating and expressive and complex ways. Raphael, what is the angel? We have the angel number 49 of elevation and grandeur. Belonging to the principalities, this angel helps people connect with God, the glorification of all people and the admiration of the heavenly kingdom. It is associated with the Eight of Wands in the Tarotah and the affirmation goes, I find my genius and inspire, relax and heal others. Angelic qualities include elevation towards greatness and wisdom, enlightenment, altruism and diplomacy. That's what's up. So, Juliana, I'm kind of curious between um, the number 235 episode or either of those cards, uh, the Alchemist slash Starman slash Magician card and that angel, if you had any syncs or resonances. Uh, definitely resonate uh, with the Magician, uh, especially because, uh, well, it's number one and uh, one's following me around everywhere, uh, including my birthday. It's on my phone number, like everything. Um, and also I'm all about like manifesting my reality. Like what I do with my art is uh, I have these visions and I bring them into the physical realm, uh, through manifesting them through art, but I also, um, enjoy manifesting in many other types of ways. So deep resonance with that one. 
or um, like you said, I'm a life path one personally, but you were saying that ones follow you around. Um, I mean, I don't have to give all your info or anything, but you said you were born on, one, you know, uh, January 11th. <laughs> so you are real serious about that. Um, and I'm looking at your Venus, which is like kind of your aesthetic, your Mars. Um, they're conjunct in 11th house, which is Aquarius ruled. Uh, Aquarius, which is the magician card energy. So it's like, yeah, of course, you're a magician. You're a magi making the shit happen, uh, going from those hyperdimensional realms uh, to this kind of whatever chessboard thing we're on, Dow chessboard, Taoist chessboard. Um, I have i don't know you personally. This is the first time we've ever talked. Uh, I Like I had said in the green room, I or I guess there's no green room on this uh, platform, but um, I had uh, used your art in a post. I make posts on Facebook sometimes with quotes. And uh, thought it was dope. It was more one of more your more recent pieces. Um, it looked like kind of a reincarnational machinery, uh, hyper hyperdimensional machinery or something. In any event, reached out uh, and here we are. So I'm really glad. I know we've kind of kicked the can around. I had COVID for a little while. I've got a new job. It's been a kind of weird couple months, but um, thanks for giving us your time. And something that we kind of do on the beginning of these things is just you don't have to get too deep or we could take the whole episode if you want it's up to you uh kind of talk about where you grew up your culture um when you started maybe waking up to consciousness psychedelics are obviously for you particularly um things of that nature coming to america stuff like that so without further ado uh take us down your biography sounds good so um i was born in colombia in south america and at a very young age around like three, I uh, first came over to the United States, um, but then shortly after went back to Colombia and continued to move back and forth, basically every like one or two years uh, for most of my growing up. Um, so it made uh, definitely like learning languages pretty difficult since my family would speak Spanish and then I'd be speaking English in school. So I was a bit behind uh, compared to most kids in, you know, reading, talking, all that, like, accents and everything. So I was very quiet, and I became fascinated by how visuals transcended language, how I could be um, in either country and be drawing an artwork, and somehow I'd show it to people, no matter where they were, and they'd get the same message from it. And I was like, whoa. Um, I was like, uh four-year-old, five-year-old, I was like, thought it was so cool. Uh, I was like, wow, it's like art's magic. It, it transcends words. So I always had like a huge fascination with art. As I got older, my both my languages got better and it wasn't an issue anymore. But um, as I, I started having these mystical experiences, I started meditating around like 13, um, started uh, doing lucid dreaming around 12, uh, then started working with medicines around 15, which I know is really young. Uh, and I started having all these very mystical experiences. And again, I found myself feeling like words weren't enough because I was trying to tell people, whoa, I had this experience, but it just felt short. And I found myself in a similar place I was when I was very young, where, you know, words weren't sufficient. So I began uh, using art to express these experiences again. And that's how I got into creating visionary art um, because I was having such beautiful experiences that I wanted to share with people. And I felt like art was a much better way than words. Um, I, as I grew, grew up, I ended up uh, studying graphic design and fine art. 
Uh, then I got picked up by Disney World and I trained for a year to be uh, an Imagineer. Um, I trained with the most awarded Imagineer of all times, Timmy Britt. And he um, he's the only uh, person to have been an Imagineer and a Disney animator, because usually it takes like your whole life to be just one. So he's a really like top of the top, um, awesome person. And he was my personal mentor. Uh, we're still really good friends. So he trained me for a whole year, taught me all like the stuff about painting and aesthetics and, and all the magic of Disney. Um, and once I was about to actually start, um, I realized that my true calling was continuing to create my visionary art, to create art uh, about mystical experiences, to raise a collective consciousness. So I, against everybody's like, you know, wishes, I left, um, I left Disney and everybody kind of freaked out. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, that's what people like work all their life to get to. And uh, I, I followed my heart and I followed my calling and I moved to Asheville and started working on my visionary art. And I've been doing that for quite a few years now, uh, full time. And I love it. I love creating my visions. And I'm so grateful for all the support I've received from people and all the positive feedback and just like, you know, all the people that make my, my dreams come true of being able to make these visions for a living. Uh, and I've also um, started teaching that love, um, you know, helping other people bring their visions to life. Because for me, it's it's not just like, for me, my true mission is raising the collective consciousness through art. So I feel like when I teach people, then they have the tools and the perspectives that I personally have developed. Um, now they have them and they can go about raising the collective consciousness also. So I feel like it's a multiplying effect. So I currently have students from all over the world and Australia, and uh, the UK, and it's really cool. Um, super happy that we're all raising the collective through visionary art. And that's a little bit about myself. Sounds awesome, Jim. You may be on mute, I'm not sure. Or he's just gone. Well, anyways, what he'd comment for sure is just, as you said, uh, everybody wants to be an Imagineer, I guess, in the visual art space from what I he heard so far. The super top-notch tiers, I guess, are Disney and Industrial Light and Magic, LucasArts, right? So, um, however, I can also very much relate to the idea that, of course, when one is truly discerning with one's own inner calling, then what others may consider to be the very best thing not necessarily is completely in, that, in line with one's own soul's calling. So I'm very glad to hear that in that sense, starting off independently just yielded you potentially in a sense even more success than you maybe could have had staying at Disney in that sense. Absolutely. Uh I'm all about like, you know, following your dreams. And even if it doesn't make sense to other people, um, you got to believe in yourself and you got to believe in yourself more than anybody else. And that's how you can make your dreams come true. Because, um, yeah, sometimes it can be very comfortable when you have a big opportunity to stay with it. But if deep down, you know that, you know, you want to do more um, in a different way, then by all means, I think it's important to to follow that.
Uh, can you guys hear me or no? You're good, Jim, yeah. Word. I don't know why that was uh, fucking up. But yeah, thank you for giving us a kind of a drive-by um, of your life. Um, succinct. And there's kind of a lot there. I, I'm a Disney. I'm 35, almost 36 in a month. But uh, I'm a Disney kid. So the fact that I didn't even know that about you um, very much. I mean, I grew up on the East Coast, but I've been to Orlando's Disney World like 26 times or something. Like Buckminster Fuller's Epcot. Bucky ball yeah. the whole the whole deal so i'm like way on that wave i'm still a disney kid all day actually um i think i mean pixar has taken over kind of now but whatever uh so i didn't know that about you at all i'm kind of going all the way back, way back it's funny just looking at your chart because you were looking uh you were talking about having kind of um relational connectivity issues potentially with all the traveling and stuff and um it's your destiny to overcome that. I don't want to get too much into astrology right now because I don't want to, you know, get into jargon and geek out and we want to talk about you. But bottom line, your north node is um, right near your Chiron, which is your karma is your north node and your Chiron is your base, basically like your wound. They're both in seventh house Libra. So it's like you're learning how to deal with like abandonment issues, kind of coming and going friends, that kind of thing. Uh, that's a big deal for you. Um, so were you always artistic guys? I mean, I didn't catch if you were always kind of doodling in the corner, um, but it sounded like it was almost very functional. And, um, uh, you know, you were like, I, I've got a, yeah, it's very practical. You have a Virgo moon and you are a Capricorn with a whole lot, you know, an, an 11th house stellium, basically. So you're super logical and uh, high minded about these things. So it seems like you, you saw it as a, uh, how would I put it? Creativity is an, um, an, an engineering solution almost for your, expression issues is that right yeah at a very young age um it was for that and now it's uh for the same reason but for mystical experiences right catching the ineffable and trying to kind of pin it down because that's one of the things about psychedelics and i don't want to presume you know only psychedelics are the only um visionary experience one can do you know holotropic breathing or meditation or any number of things um but some of these things are really hard to come back with um you know evidence or um linguistically codified uh, memorabilia or something. Terrence McKenna was saying, you know, it's like, it's great to go there, but it's like, what can you bring back from the place kind of thing, right? So it's very hard to do that. And you are, uh, we just had Android Jones on. He's a good person, Alex Jones. Um, yeah, Alex Gray, I mean, not Alex Jones, Jesus Christ. Uh, Alex Gray. Uh, there's a few people that I think tap into this ability to transcend the language and cultural barriers and, and kind of tap into this, akashic space that's very holographic and maybe trans temporal even and transcultural um so we can kind of talk about whatever i mean i'm rambling i tend to do that i'm gemini sorry Raphael. in terms of what she was saying is there anything that jumped out yeah well what i initially commented where you dropped off for a moment is oh, you know, always yeah. the great threshold of you know being offered great successful things in a sense like you could have a career but then realizing that one goes off independently what's so i she already commented on that and uh, the other thing what's of course very interesting is that you came to realize let's say art as a language that early in that sense and that specifically because of course that ultimately is something that transcends i would assume pretty much all cultural boundaries like things like symmetry and so on and at least for me i mean i'm honestly a total sucker for visionary art my whole room is full of visionary art and if i could choose one art style art style because it's also somewhat related. You may be familiar with the Vienna Academy of Visionary Art. And uh, at least I saw the museum once and met a few people there. And, you know, they do all kinds of visionary techniques and then draw it. It's really related to religious art in a sense as well. And 
without having to be judgmental or anything. But even on face value for me, there is just no comparison between what they tend to call modern art, which has its own, let's say, ideological and up to CIA background, you know, where nothing really makes sense anymore, but it's supposedly worth millions. And a piece of visionary art where, at least to me, the attraction is obvious. Maybe that also has to do with how much someone leans, in a sense, on the other side or these kind of more vivid visual experiences and uh, tapestry. But at least to me, again, on face value, visionary art simply is the way to go, in a sense, <laughs> if that makes sense. I agree. And um, I, I feel like that's kind of something about a lot of modern art um, is it lacks spirit and it, it's become very commercial and just kind of empty. Um, you know, some some people try to put profound meanings, but often they're just kind of meaningless objects um, that are going for, yeah, thousands of thousands of dollars, sometimes even millions. Uh, while that's why I'm so passionate about the visionary art movement, because it's not just about aesthetics or commercial reasons or, you know, just trying to like you know be famous it's about like bringing back spirit and bring it into culture and bringing um you know connecting people with their their spiritual side with their mystical side um so i think it has a lot of value that's why i'm such a you know uh so into it that's why i do it for a living it's because I, I think and especially if it gets to a point where it's um affecting the like pop culture it'd be great uh because it'll, it'll bring us more into you know thinking about like spiritual things and, you know, earth and love and all these things that are way more important than just like, you know, a, a random line on a white canvas, you know, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> right. And then maybe allow me to ask something specific. So you mentioned that, let's say you came into contact with medicine quite early on. To me, the one reference I always like to give is like as a child, in this case, let's say in the 90s, whatever, you watch these like 80s anime shows. I mean, I did. And I was always, I mean, interested, some or better, worse, however you want to call it. And then sometimes you have these frames where it's really colorful. And sometimes I caught myself watching certain series only to find that one frame where, you know, there's a special ability or a special thing happening where you see this merger between let's say, the physical and the spiritual realm. Of course, like Dragon Ball, I didn't even watch that so much, but that's all about that, you know, all about chi and all about visualizing this other realm. And my specific question here would be, in your own experience, to the degree that you can recount it, how was your own imagination capacity when you grew up? Because to me, I could really sense, let's say, as an early teenager or something, that at some point, maybe because of school or whatever, my imagination capacity, I felt like it was diminishing because then always I tried to visualize things and that's, at some point it almost felt like I have just a small, you know, like 15-inch black and white TV screen within which I'm able to actively imagine. And then later on, who knows, through exercise, psychedelics, I don't know what, it can be full on again. But I'd be curious as to your experience with that. Maybe with you, it never diminished because you were always expressing yourself creatively in this way can you kind of relate uh, at what i'm getting at i would say i've always been pretty creative um and even before i did psychedelics at the age of 12 12 i started lucid dreaming and having outer body experience and things so for me it was like i think perhaps like 
a little bit before that when I was like you know like 10 around that age like maybe I was getting very caught up in just like watching tv and kind of like being like kind of zombified by like oh just eat school tv eat school tv and um maybe I was getting too caught up in culture <laughs> and uh um but then around 12 I started like you know my dreams exiting my body and I was like whoa like there's so much more and I started like learning about meditation and you know um breath work and all these like buddhism and hinduism and i started like kind of reigniting that that i had maybe at an earlier age that you know i just kind of maybe had a little dip uh, at some some point and uh i would say once i hit 15 and i started doing medicines for the first time which you know <laughs> i know is really young um i definitely was like full on like whoa like yeah there's like other realms and you know, all these like beautiful experiences uh, I'm having. And that's when, you know, my creativity went really through the roof. And yeah. And maybe uh, just to ask a follow up question in that sense, as I understand, potentially different indigenous cultures would not have such a strong prohibition. However, of course, aside from substances mainly being regulated now within scientific settings, let's say in the Western world officially to be legal, let's say, um, I'm curious, how was that experience for you at that point? And uh, because many would generally strongly caution against that, which I can certainly understand. And is probably, a, you know, most people shouldn't do anything until they're 30 and have, you know, some sense of self. <laughs> But however, in your case, how was your experience of that? Were you like rattled by it or something? Because usually people would come up and be like, oh, my God, that's so dangerous. You would become psychotic if you do it too early and so on. But kind of how was that experience uh, for you? I'm curious. You know, um, I probably would recommend for people to wait until they're older <laughs> to do it. But um, honestly, it was an amazing experience. Like I was 15, but I had already been meditating for like two years pretty consistently. And I was doing yoga and uh, exploring the dream world like very regularly. Um, and like diving very deep into spiritual practice at a very early age. So when I did it at 15, I felt very prepared, um, to be completely honest. And it was a beautiful experience, very sacred union with stores and a lot of creativity. And I made art and danced and cried and enjoyed. It was so beautiful. Honestly, it was one of the best like trips I've had in my life. So, um, uh, really glad I did it, <laughs> but I would say, uh, Probably for most people, uh, it'd be wise to wait. I guess it was just because of the amount of time and effort I had been putting the previous like couple years into my spiritual practice that uh, perhaps I had like such a positive experience. Uh, yeah, I mean, it seems that, um, well, I think you would asked uh, she was talking about like lucid dreaming and being pretty prepped for uh i mean i'm just looking at your chart it's hilarious you had you are a space cadet like you are an alien <laughs> i mean that's a weird way to put it. i don't know if you feel like an alien in a human body or something like that but <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, just like yeah. you straight up are a, a, a traveler and you've landed in this time realm or whatever and um yeah you were doing this shit just so natural you're a capricorn you have jupiter and capricorn 10th house it's exalted so you i mean you're gonna achieve a lot like the fact that you're fucking around with disney and like turning it down and choosing to like you know you're still winning in that sense you're always gonna have luck with money and finances and business and entrepreneurial kind of stuff the issue i mean i'm just rambling about your chart now looking at it uh the issues relations but we can get into that privately as a diver or whatever you know i could talk to you about 
your chart sometimes. <laughs> but accurate. the point is, uh, yeah, the fact that you're kind of a shaman. I mean, that's basically the best way to play. You're a shaman. You're a walker between worlds. And you were doing that naturally. Um, I know I've had astral projection kind of experiences on the sober. Um, didn't expect them, right? And then I've, done, you know, Raphael's done uh, ayahuasca. I've done DMT and stuff like that. But it's like, it seems like um, you're going to have a very academic and almost like inherently grounded approach to these realms so the fact that you almost see yourself as a travel guide slash um brochure maker or if you want of these realms is is kind of not terribly surprising um what was the kind of capacity of the art you're doing with the imagine um with the disney stuffs uh were you doing more character driven things and it looked more like you know Pixar art, and now you're doing totally your own style, or did yeah. it always have your own flavor? Go, go for Imaginary, it. It was um, designing for a theme park. So oh, it was that's dope. So, like, the design of, you know, um, coming up with, like, different, um, yeah, like, areas for the park, and scenic art, and how to make basically concrete look like anything you can imagine. So, turning concrete into wood, turning concrete into stone, turning... Like taking concrete, because basically all Disney's made out of concrete, and they, then they just paint it and make it look like whatever material they want. So that it'll last hundreds of hundreds of years. So it's understanding how to create anything with concrete and how to build these magical worlds for people to explore. So that that was what I was doing with Disney. I mean, like, once again, not to just rant about your chart, but like Aquarius, which you have mostly like the magician guard engineers. Like I, I engineer my reality. So you do that. And then on top of it, you're doing it through Virgo, Moon, Capricorn, Sun, like Jupiter, Capricorn, earthly material things. Like, do you, I mean, you probably find yourself, what's your body work? Like, do you do like a crazy diet? And like, you, you said you were doing yoga and weird stuff, like sober as a teenager. So I imagine that yeah. your regimen's pretty nice. Yeah, I've been uh, vegan for almost a decade now. Um, nice. Yeah, I do yoga and swim and hike and uh been recently doing a little bit of climbing uh i like being active um, especially like so solo kind of uh activities of like exercise i really enjoyed like you know just like trying to be my own records and so i'm not so much into competitive sports um but like if i'm competing against myself i really like try like extra hard makes total sense um yeah you're gonna kind of dominate the material plane so you were talking a little about getting turned on to like uh hinduism buddhism etc we can kind of go off into those realms we could talk more about art if you'd like but i'm kind of curious um being colombian were you raised catholic were you coming from a kind of a, what was the cultural framework um because I, yeah. I like i said i've been to ecuador and um i personally lived up in a Sea up in the mountains but having been to the city and stuff like that quito um it's weird to see kind of Western Christian European values and cultural settings. And then there are definitely elements, especially obviously, as you know, go into the jungle more of like indigenous culture <laughs> that has nothing to do with that high magic weirdness in the woods kind of stuff. Magicians of the, you know, Amazon. Um, so what was the kind of culture you were coming from and how did you start turning on to a, an ontol, an, you know, a worldview of spirituality? Like, were you like, Oh, there's Buddha or like, how, how does that work for you? So I was raised Catholic, um, and um, it personally wasn't the path for me. Um, full respect for people that uh, that path does work for, and I think there's many paths to that same mountaintop, and some path works better for some folks. Um, but I felt, uh, you know, a little lacking in my spiritual practice through uh, being Catholic, 
And uh, I started, you know, having at age 12, like exiting my body and my dreams. And I was trying to like tell my parents and they're just like, oh, go pray. That's probably not good. Um, <laughs> Real helpful. You know, um, I started looking it up and finding out it's called lucid dreaming. It's called astral projection. It's all that. So I, I, I started feeling like there's more, um, more out there than just, you know, uh, what I was being told uh, through church. Um, so I started, you know, just exploring. I went, I kind of went from that to being like completely atheist or I'm like, I'm not going to believe any of this, um, which was lasted a very short period. It was just like a transition. Um, I think to, that's natural. I think everyone's yeah, going to have the dark. Yeah. You know, the to like, thing. We rejected at like age, like probably like 13. Um, and uh, then I started to just explore all sorts of religions because I just wanted to know like what everybody else believed. So I started, I, I, at that age was a huge like lover of books. So I read a ton of books on Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism, all sorts of, um, I was very drawn to Eastern religions. And um, I still make a lot of, a lot of my art is inspired by them, but uh, I would say, especially Buddhism has a very special place in my heart. And that's the one that like since 13, I've been practicing pretty uh, regularly every day. Uh, and that I um, like connect with very deeply. And later, actually, it was like last year, I did a uh, past life regression hypnosis, and I uh, understood that um, that very early drive towards Buddhism was from uh, something I experienced in my past life. So, can you elaborate on that, or is that too private? Uh, I'll elaborate. Yeah, like in my past life, um, I like I did a hypnosis for past life regression, and I realized that. I was a practitioner of, of Buddhism in uh, the Philippines. And yeah, I like remembered a lot of the details of it. And uh, especially um, there's these vows you can take called the Bodhisattva vows. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which uh, is a, a vow to, to liberate all beings. And uh, I remember taking that vow in my previous life. Uh, and that's why I like, kind of came back, reincarnated with a huge drive to like raise the collective to uh, help liberate as many people as I can. And um, it's funny because it totally aligned because as soon as I remember that, I'm like, oh yeah, that's where this like really powerful drive to make this art to raise the collective consciousness is coming from is from that vow that I took in my previous life. So it all kind of made sense after that, like you get a bigger perspective. That's fascinating. I mean, I don't know how familiar with like Dolores Cannon and stuff you are, um, but we've, and we've had, I think, um, uh, it's you guru, uh, Candy and Laura, I believe their names are, and uh, they do kind of hypnotherapy, deep regression kind of stuffs. Uh, Raphael himself, I mean, I think it's more conscious and he can speak upon it if he wants, but he, he channels. Uh, I mean, I'm a musician, so I think in some weird way, it's like semantic. It's like everything's channeling in a weird way, but like, uh, it's yeah, funny. I just want to know which uh, one of us, or if any of the listeners, did not take those bodhisattva vows. You know the way you explained it. Straight yeah. up, I'm stuck there <laughs> now. Yeah, it's like I know exactly what you mean. I, I mean, I think it had more to do with acid trips in this lifetime. I'm not sure if I did anything before this. That's how it sometimes feels for me. Um, but yeah, thanks for sharing that. I know you didn't have to, obviously. Um, Raphael, what are your thoughts on even the nature of that kind of phenomenological experience? Uh, because I'm not doubting that, like, sometimes I'm like, are you tapping into a frequency and that frequency is mirrored? Or is that a specific echo of your personal experience and it's somehow you've attached to it, trans, um, you know, 
like through lives. Uh, I forget what the word is, but um, anyway. You mean Raphael, past life connections? Curious. Yeah, there's a word for it, and I'm totally spacing on it. Um, it's not perennial philosophy that like, but it's like one of those words where it's uh, trans migration of the soul. I think is what I'm thinking. Um, uh-huh. yeah. So I I don't know because up until more recently, like I've had some LSD experiences where I've had like deja vu and been like, holy shit, this is so weird. And obviously DMT, you're like in another place talking to beings and stuff. So I know that more is possible, but I'm not really sure how to make sense of reincarnation. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Right. So the, the general concept, Julian, I'm curious to what you think about this is, as far as I understand, uh, also relayed by Bashar and many others. Of course, time is an illusion. Everything is here and now. Therefore, technically, one could say there is no such a thing as a past life. There is only all kinds of parallel lives. However, then ultimately, I would even go so far as to say, who cares what happened, how, when exactly? If it is something that's coming up to you and that you feel a resonance with, then obviously it's a piece of information that's relevant to you. That's the practical uh, approach to the whole thing. Um, Yeah, so that'd be my... uh, my view on that juliana what's what's your take i was very uh kind of um interested in how like reincarnation and all that works so um i actually went and uh dove deep with medicines and with hypnosis um and lucid dreaming and like asked and went dove very deep and found um some information on that which i ended up making an artwork about called soul stream and it basically, I was shown kind of a chart of kind of like, like streams, or you can think of it as branches on a tree, how it's really all one. It's all the same tree, you know, it's all this like source or God, whatever you want to call it. We're all that. But, you know, there's certain branches that are a little closer to each other. And, you know, there's like, you know, maybe a little like flower and then it, the little branch grows and grows into another flower. So they were kind of connected. Even though it's all connected, there's some that are a little more approximate. Um, so when I did that past life uh, regression hypnosis, it it wasn't a faint vision. It was like a, an instant full download of a previous life where I had like all the information, very powerful experience, very vivid. Um, so it definitely resonated with me. And I was told very specifically that that those vows was why I like reincarnated to to try to fulfill them uh you're trying to dip but nah you got a contract yeah it's like that um how do you feel about that are you excited you're like fuck yeah uh, as as soon as i came out of it i had heard about the vows like a little bit but not like very deeply but as soon as i came out of it i started like i uh look it up which out the vows and it instantly comes out uh, comes up online it's a vow that um continues throughout lifetimes <laughs> and i'm like whoa yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh yeah i'm i'm looking at some of your art the image that i've used of yours uh is the infinite self plays the game and that is a dope uh, piece i mean all your art's dope but that one um is one that i've actually personally used and it seems kind of like what you're talking about where like you're getting this download of the variations of the multiplicity of uh personhood <laughs> As it, uh, may... it seems uh, uh, go ahead yes no just as it may be generally interesting also i had never read it i would read the bodhisattva vow, at least what it says and yeah to the degree that we can trust that source so here it says we're gonna get lumped into a new contract watch out <laughs> yeah no <laughs> i think it's too late so uh, this is the vow here it says found at the end of the abat 
Abatamsaka Sutra. Uh, and here it says, just as all the previous Sugatas, the Buddhas, generated the mind of enlightenment and accomplished all the stages of the Bodhisattva training, so will I too, for the sake of all beings, generate the mind of enlightenment and accomplish all the stages of the Bodhisattva training. Well, sounds good. The only question is what are all the stages of the training so we can know when we're done. <laughs> Juliana. The Bowser um, to basically embody um, the knowledge that you are one with everything. Because basically it's like, it's if you say to someone in an, in, while they're in an ego state, that the vows to liberate all beings like every single sentient beings it sounds completely impossible like to go about like trying to liberate one by one but it's about uh embodying the knowledge that you are one with all beings so as soon as you're in that knowledge and you liberate yourself instantly all other beings are liberated so it's kind of about like it's more of a practice than a specific like action you're trying to take it's about embodying it every day of like being one with all and liberating oneself. And through that, you liberate all being. That's what's up. So have you taken any new vows in this lifetime? Like, I mean, how uh, do you align with any kind of practices or, um, you know, paths? So, right now? so I totally want to um, retake the vows, uh, even though, you know, Technically, if you take him once, even if you it continues through lifetimes. You're such a Virgo uh, moon. You're like, I just want to be sure. So but <laughs> I've been meaning to, but I had this experience last year and still a lot of the Buddhist temples, basically all the ones around me have yet to open. As soon as they do, I'm going to go and um, do my vows again. That's cool. That's what's up. Any particular um, like color or, uh, you know, sect or whatever they call it? Um like are you thinking you're more into tibetan buddhism or uh, oh like brand yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, mahayana is uh my main uh type of buddhism i mean i i love all all buddhism they have like all great perspectives but i especially resonate with mahayana especially um the branch uh that is taught by um tiknan han zen master tiknan han he's amazing my greatest uh living teacher yeah, he's pretty woke, as the kids say. Uh, so it's I, I don't remember where I read it, but it, I remember there being kind of an axis point between um, the Bodhisattva and I think it's called the. Um, oh, I'm going to like. Uh, oh, man, another word that's Tibetan, probably it's like uh, Avalokra or something like that. It's some word I'm butchering now and I'm, but I'm Avaloka. Uh, well, it's just like the exact. Okay, so the Bodhisattva is like, fuck, we're all fucked. Go back and help. So it's, it's more like a Virgo in service thing, right? Uh, where it's like, I'm going to go back and be the best I can be and shine and 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 blot out ignorance with service, basically, um, and love and awareness, uh, compassion and awareness. Whereas the other one, I'm forgetting what it's called, is more like um, everything's perfect. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> and uh, so it's not, it, and it's the combination, the funny, the irony, I mean, I'm Gemini, so I kind of get it, but it's like the paradoxes both are true simultaneously. Obviously, it's like, Yes, it's all good, but yes, we have room for growth and lessons and karma and connectivity and stuff. I'm totally forgetting what the uh, 
I think I've heard it in the Gene Keys. We've had Richard Rudd on, who's the author of Gene Keys, and I think one of the Gene Keys was talking about the uh, um, kind of because uh, I'm not an expert in any way on Buddhism, um, and it was that's how I knew this little factoid. Uh, in any event, um, Arhat, maybe that's it. Arhat is that enlightened being? No, now I'm just saying words. <laughs> Doesn't help. Uh, and this is when you draw pictures, right? Uh, you're like, stop talking. Just draw what, you, what you're thinking. <laughs> yeah, pictures are good. Uh, and also just, uh, I think more important than knowing all like the little names and information is the actual practice of just uh, being mindful and one with the breath and embodying compassion. I think the simple things are, are really the the cornerstones of Buddhism. I can dig it. So I'm kind of curious. I mean, you're very much, uh, uh, I think actually you have the same, you do, you have the same astrological um, kind of elements in terms of sun and moon as uh, Sadhguru, if that means anything to you. <laughs> he's oh, a I love sun. Yeah, he's, he's super great. fucking practical, right? Or it's just like, yeah, like he's great. I love him. Uh, so yeah, in, in the practical sense, I mean, you're talking about veganism, you're talking about breath work. Um, what are some things that you think are maybe uh tool skills specific to you that you're like i'm on you know i'm wolverine and i'm an x-man i've got these specific sets as well as some skills that you think are universal that you've been tapping into like uh techniques for spiritual practice is that well, what maybe like, like a good example would be like compassion's a good universal one right whereas like clearly visionary art is something that you are specifically doing so i'm kind of curious just in, in terms of like your bodhisattva vow if you think you're completing it this lifetime, it seems like you're kind of doing that. <laughs> um, what are your goals? I mean, it, you, if you've done the Disney thing and turn it down, like what do you think is, especially as such a heavy Capricorn person, what do you think an accomplishment is? Do you think like the hunt, you know, are you not going to be satisfied until we're all woke or like, how does that work um, in your mind? Technically, I guess my specific goal is to raise the collective consciousness specifically through art through visionary art of at least 3 billion people would be my idea, which is just about everybody on the internet. Uh, if you I could, could do that. Yeah. Somehow create an image that everybody on the internet sees. And like, as soon as they see it, it's, it's so um, specific of like the enlightened realms that it awakens something in them, or at least plants a seed of enlightenment. Uh, that would be my, my ultimate goal for this lifetime. It's almost like something like the yin yang where it's like this i mean but that's more of like a symbol but you want to do an art piece like that or kind of walk me through that so there there's technically been um and alex here talks a little bit about this uh artworks or even like visual um things that want when someone sees it it either enlightens them right away or um as time goes by like it plants a seed and eventually they get enlightened from it uh, deep in their subconscious and uh, it'd be so magical to be able to create an artwork like that um, they say the supposedly the tibetan uh, wheel of life is one of those images uh, things like that or there's like so it's like liber liberation through sight uh, is kind of the the aim um, there's also like liberation through hearing which uh, the tibetan book of the dead talks a lot about where basically read something out loud and it's supposed to like catalyze like liberation through the hearing sense. Um, so it'd kind of be like that book for visual sense. Word. 
Um, so like I was saying, the infinite self plays the game. Do you look at life as a game? Like how loosely do you take it? How seriously do you take it? Because you do have, I mean, I don't know how serious you are personally, but just based off your chart, I'm looking at, it's like, you, you probably are pretty, um, goal oriented, you know, and achievement oriented. Uh, so how do you look at, you know, what, so, what's the meaning of life you know, like, to you, like the purpose of the hologram or whatever? <laughs> I think uh, it's really helpful to uh, remember that it's a game when moments get difficult, when you're sad or struggling or deeply suffering to get that greater perspective of, oh, it's all just like a game that source is playing with itself. Um, then it can really relieve a lot of suffering. But uh, I think if you're having fun in the game and, you know, you should, you know, focus on it, you know, because that's why it's created is to to experience it, uh, not to constantly be like, you know, like, uh, oh, it's just a game. It's just a game. <laughs> you know, could not take it seriously because, you know, it was made for a reason and to learn, to experience, to enjoy. So while I'm in it, I'm you know trying to reach these big goals to, you know, uh, leave a good impact do all I can. Um, you know, manifest my reality, uh, experience all my dreams and things like that. Um, but, you know, it's always helpful in difficult moments to, to get the bigger perspective. I'm imagining that uh, community and friendship and, you know, partners and stuff help with that. Uh, how have you found living in Asheville? Oh, I love Asheville. Um, it's so magical. I love the people here, the nature here, all the art here. So just like gorgeous, you know, forest mountains. The Blue Ridge Mountains are absolutely amazing. I love that I get to uh, go for hikes like super close by that are just incredible, like jaw dropping mountains and waterfalls. But I also get this like small city uh, that's like really artsy. So it's a it's a fairly small city, but for the amount of people that, that are here, it's like all basically almost all artists, musicians, writers wire rappers all sorts of like you know creative people so um there's a beautiful community here lots of great music and um you know get togethers and i have a big group of friends here that we do craft night so like once a week we all get together we all take our you know paintings or ipad or whatever uh jewelry whatever they do and we all just uh, like have fun and create together it's really cool because we get to show each other our art and get feedback and get inspiration. It's just, I love it here. It's, it's amazing. If, if you haven't been to Asheville, like uh, anybody highly recommend coming and checking it out. It's, it's definitely the hidden gem of the United States. I will have to check it out. I haven't been to Sedona. I've been to a lot of places. Uh, Hawaii was dope, but it was also um, a big city in any event. Um, I'm trying to think of some other stuff. Uh, is there anything that you want to talk about? And I mean, there's so many things we haven't, uh, touched on, but is there anything, Raphael, that you want to touch on that we haven't, or Joanna, is there a direction you want to go in that we're not? Well, I'm, I guess, uh, impressed enough to not find too many words. I just love, uh, you know, <clears throat> Hearing, hearing your story, Juliana, is there anything that you would like to bring up? Anything that hasn't been mentioned yet? Anything that, I don't know, even you would want to ask if there was anything, you know, or even just sharing whatever you're most interested in right now, or maybe what your current uh, investigations visually are leading you to? <laughs> hmm. 
can't think of anything specifically. Um, well, I'd love to talk like one of my favorite medicines is the spirit molecule. So anything re re spirit molecule, I, I enjoy speaking about. You might find it funny. We uh, had a pre-interview with Rick Strassman and he was definitely going to come on here and he was stoked. Um, I mean, I, I was like, yo, this would be great. I've smoked DMT a few times now, but you know, had pretty profound experiences and uh he ended up backing out i couldn't tell exactly what it was uh but uh yeah that's kind of funny because dmt is one of these things psychedelics are one of these things where some people you know it depends on a lot of things we've had artists on who are it's like they'd rather not talk about it because it doesn't define what they do whereas you're doing visionary art which i think makes it maybe lends itself to being exp like salvador dali and people like that um when he was saying like i am psychedelics or not psychedelics i am drugs um, maybe that was his way of <laughs> trying to either cover up his legal butt, or maybe he didn't do anything. I don't actually know. But the point is, it seems like you're way more obviously pro consciousness expansion through entheogens uh, than yeah. maybe most. I even um, my most popular piece is my legalized psychedelics poster, um, which is very <laughs> direct to to what I think should happen. It's, if you haven't seen it, it's like you know, kind of um, like the American colors and it's just like says legalized psychedelic and it's a bunch of the psychedelics and uh, super excited about how, how popular that piece became by far took off the most uh, all over the internet and uh, was even seen in like places like Sweden posted around the streets, California, like a buddy of mine just sent me a photo. He was on a ski lift in Colorado and saw it on the ski lift in front of him. One of my stickers of it, someone put it there. So yeah, it's like kind of. Um, I mean, it's more. It's almost like uh, I mean, political propaganda. It's a strong statement, but it's like it's it's lending itself more toward the um, hope Obama poster vibes. Yeah, but, yeah. totally has yeah. that vibe. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you made it very accessible to the things. Us That's exactly love. what I was trying to create. Was like you know, because there's a big movement we're currently in, like the psychedelic renaissance, uh, where all these new leg legislations in the U.S. and around the world are happening, you know, like Oregon just, uh, you know, decriminalizing like all substances, you know, mushrooms starting to be decriminalized. It's starting to happen. And we, because like, visionary people... crack cocaine art is what we need. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's like, I don't know why they <laughs> no, do that. Don't, don't do hard drugs. They're not good for you. <laughs> but no one should go to prison for them, is my opinion. They should yeah, yeah, probably I'm on you know. Um, but uh, specifically psychedelics, they have, you know, under used responsibly. Um, I think, you know, no one should go to jail for them. Um, and so I'm a huge advocate for them. You know, there's definitely, uh, when I say legalized psychedelics, I, I don't mean everybody should do them. There's people that should for sure not do them. And there's some people that should do them with professionals in a you know, safe setting. And then there's people that are responsible enough to be able to do them on their own. But, you know, to for them to be completely uh, out of the picture for everybody, um, people are just going to get them illegally and um, they're going to be less safe because, you know, they're going through the black market. So if, if they're legal, people people can get them more safely, um, know exactly what they're getting. And the people that are responsible enough to do them can like, you know, do them um, in their house, you know, responsibly. And then the people that shouldn't do them should continue to not do them, you know. Uh, and the people that abuse them should go to rehab, not prison. Um, so I, I'm very huge advocate of the legalized psychedelic movement. Cause I was thinking like, 
you know, if this whole movement's going on right now and has so much potential to raise the collective, um, we need a poster. We need a political poster to people trying to promote this to use. And I was like, I'll make it. So I made it. And um, the whole idea is that anybody can use this poster to like print it uh, anywhere, put it wherever. uh, As as, yeah, as long as they don't use it for commercial reasons. Uh, I'm totally cool with people just like making prints of it and putting it around to spread the movement um, in hopes that it, it'll help, you know, uh, this little image will help, uh, you know, this big movement. Guys, that is uh, Mercury conjunct Mars. An agenda I can Aquarius. get behind. <laughs> yeah. Well, like Aquarius energy is all about the teamwork and the movement, the revolution, and you have all this Aquarius energy. So it's like, of course, you're doing open source art for the movement yeah and and the people that do get um prints from me of it if they get a print or shirt or anything of of that piece um for me just to like to support you know uh my artistic journey uh, a portion does go to maps to uh for psychedelic research um you're that committed you're all you're not just talking i mean that's the there it is definitely trying to uh help uh as much as i can with this movement um and I'm very happy that because of how successful this artwork was, I was able to give a pretty large donation to MAPS, which is really cool. I'm sure that's going to play more into the development of these legal. I mean, I live in Colorado, uh, but, you know, Denver's done. So, um, so I think psychedelic mushrooms are illegal or decriminalized now. And like you were saying, uh, West Coast has got like all things. And I'm pretty sure the Bay Area is like ayahuasca, psychedelic stuff like that um i'm kind of curious what and this might be a little controversial but i'm kind of curious what uh you this gets into presuppositions really quickly because as a bodhisattva we're like oh there's things to fix let's wake people up but then sometimes like you know the uh, Raphael was like kind of not tease but like referenced it like the bashar thing like like you know unity consciousness is kind of like it's all good don't worry <laughs> uh so you know people you know doing weird shit to each other or playing out their karma or whatever um I'm wondering what your thoughts are in terms of visionary art movement itself as an artistic movement, like the drug culture, psychedelic culture, the pros, the cons. Um, I mean, it's been a few years since 2012, obviously, at this point. So I think there was maybe a resurgence around that with McKenna, probably. And then there was probably, I mean, there's been a few times in American history, history in general. I've met Albert Hoffman's grandson randomly in Switzerland in 2009, um, who hasn't done acid. But there's been a few pockets where psychedelics were like in vogue, I guess you could say. And then there's been counterbalances to that, like Nixonian kind of draconian laws. And we're in a place now, I guess, where burning man culture is kind of normalized. It's not standard by any means. It's still mostly counterculture, but you know, soccer moms are okay with, you know, flower of life t-shirts or whatever. You see what I'm saying? It's like, it's really kind of taking on um, a, a new sense of, of reality these symbols and kind of where we're at with culture and internet and stuff i'm rambling my point is as an artist as a user of psychedelics as an ashvillian uh what kind of things do you see that are like hell yeah we're in this so right and what kind of things you're like what the fu-? a good example like um i think it's called chat roulette uh there was an app or omegle or something like that like there's these apps right or uh, websites i used to get on acid and go on them and you, you'd go on it be like skype it's ironic i'm not on the camera right now i could care less generally <laughs> i'm just like tired and day off and i'm like i'm not coming on camera but the point is uh you go on these things and there's p- people and it's like oh my god we can connect through the internet to any group like mostly it was like teenagers drinking like you know playing karaoke and being drunk and flashing each other and 
or it'd be a bunch of like Middle Eastern men like jerking off or whatever, which is terrifying, right? Where it's like, we could do so much with this technology, but we're not. So I guess what I'm kind of saying is like, what are the places in psychedelic art, visionary art, psychedelics, um, consciousness expansion that you think we're like acing and we're all kicking ass? And then what do you think we're kind of like dropping the ball in as a species? Um, I think that it depends on like the particular like person or even like area you're in. So, you know, there's certain areas that are like kind of moving forward with things very quickly and um, doing it in a very good manner. And there's people uh, like areas and people that aren't like, you know, moving at this like raising the consciousness speed. Um, I think uh, it's just important to to pace yourself. And uh, like, you know, I think there's some people that jump from you know, not doing any spiritual practice to to doing a bunch of psychedelics and, you know, all this really intense stuff. And it's you raise your vibration far too quickly and it, it shakes you up and um, it's too much and you can have, you know, issues from that. You think it's better to raise your consciousness uh, gradually and not just of not, not only of an individual, but also of this collective. We can't do big jumps because it, it won't be very stable. I think you don't want to fry the circuits kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so if, if for people that have like never had any kind of spiritual thing, like to jump into doing something crazy, or same with like humanity, if we were to to go from where we are now to like you know really intense level, it'd be uh, too unstable. So to raise it gradually um but like steadily it, i think is is probably the way to go then uh, talking of uh, favorite topics and related to frying the circuits this of course always brings up the analogies that different let's say extraterrestrial or etheric messengers bring basically saying look the reason we're not landing on your lawn even though this had happened for example again with aerial phenomenon i even met a guy where a ufo literally landed in a primary school in zimbabwe in 1994 and i even met the guy who was there so one of the guys or back then children um so whatever you would like to say what's your perspective on aliens and or dolphins <laughs> and or dolphins and love um so i believe that aliens are already among us uh but maybe not in this realm so if you if anybody's experienced dmt uh the spirit molecule you will know that uh i mean most people experience uh extraterrestrials there so i believe like they're here maybe they're just in another realm and i think as soon as we uh change our frequency we can perceive them and I'm sure there's probably also some in the physical form, but I haven't uh, personally had any experience with them directly. Uh, I've just had experience with them in um, the astral plane and in the DMT or the spirit planes. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. And just because I always like to bring this up, the idea being that dolphins actually are the second civilization terrestrially living on the earth. Have you ever had the chance? Because I never did. I just, you know love the free their frequency let's say have you ever had the chance to interact with dolphins uh i used to a little bit when i was younger um and when i was like probably like eight i i lived in orlando and i used to go to sea world which i highly do not support now <laughs> don't go to sea world i was eight my mom took me and didn't do any better <laughs> but yeah <laughs> anyways uh that's when i got to interact with them and they seem pretty cool uh i think i was like 
very young so i just thought they were cute um it'd be cool to re-experience that but also hopefully in and definitely not through SeaWorld. <laughs> you know, that's not the way to go about it. Uh, but would love to experience one in its natural habitat. That'd be really cool. It's funny that you say that because, um, I mean, it's been a while. It was Aquarius season, I think, when this started. So, you know, it's been a hot minute. Um, but I saw a friend of mine post, he had mentioned something about a Star Trek movie like Star Trek seven or something weird um, that has to do with them going back through time to save the world from something crazy in whales or like the aliens that are the ones who are like the time song keepers or something. It's crazy. Anyway. Uh, but I, I appreciate your kind of stance. Cause you're being, you're like open-minded. Like, I mean, I'm looking at your chart. You're like, you, you are an alien basically, but at the same time, you're very pragmatic about it. You're like, they're interdimensional. They might, you know, it's frequency based stuff. It's not, I mean, I'm not sure how you feel about, you know, our people, you know, reptilian bases on the opposite side of the moon kind of thing. I mean, there's all sorts of people we've had on the podcast who think a number of things. Um, and yeah, it's funny because one thing is uh, hearsay is one thing, but experience is kind of the primary indicator, uh, largely. Um, Terrence McKenna was big on that. Obviously, I'm kind of on his wave at some level. And I haven't experienced aliens, but I've experienced transdimensional beings. Raphael, I would love to hear how you differentiate between the two. <laughs> Well, I would say generally there's not necessarily a need for differentiation. Again, if we understand everything is here and now and uh, basically, yeah, it's all just a game of frequencies. And just like Juliana said, depending what frequency. So the Orion on, Wars are just like bad self-indigestion of the one. <laughs> oh, well, in a sense, it's just a certain frequency bandwidth. However, even here, the idea being that we're in a sense already well past that, which is why we can look at it in a fictionalized form through Star Wars and stuff, right? Um, yeah, I mean, certainly now, uh, you know, what I see is the time again, this could be another question for you, Juliana, as well. What is your reading, let's say, <laughs> it's always the best questions I always love getting in channelings, in terms of the collective evolution right now? I mean, obviously, you have a very positive outlook from what I can glean. Some people now, especially in the last year, understandably also have been caught up again in all kinds of fears and so on. So certainly we're, let's say, in the rapids, you know, if we were going down the stream. Um, but what's like your general perspective of how we're doing in a sense from your point of view? Um, I believe that the consciousness is rising uh, pretty steadily. Um, sometimes when the consciousness rises, um, there's shadow work to do and things that come up that we need to address. And I think that's what's been going on a lot recently. A lot of things have been coming up, um, that were already there, you know, such as, um, Black Lives Matters movement, uh, you know, our environmental issues with COVID, like all these things were, um, like, you know, kind of already like brewing, you know, of like diseases and, uh, all these like uh, issues with people and things that are un injustice things. And now as our collective consciousness is rising, we're starting to um, like have to address them as a, as a whole, as a humanity and, and try to work through them and um, see how we can improve and, you know, be more loving to each other, be more just. Um, so, but as a whole, I think we are, um, you know, improving uh, I'm very hopeful, and I think at least what I can do is um, do my part 
it, you know, there's a whole saying like, be the change you wish to see in the world. So I can't change, um, you know, exactly what other people choose to do, but I can change what I do and what I put out there. So I'm just doing my best to put out as much love as I can, um, positive imagery uh, through my visionary art, uh, positive messages. If anybody like, you know, ha has me on social media, you know, you're, I'm putting uh, things all day about like spirituality and things to try to uplift people. Um, so I'm just doing everything I can in my life by being the, being like embodying what I wish to see in the world, um, like really living it out. And I think that's the most powerful thing we can do. And we, we have no idea how many uh, people we're affecting in that way. Um, because we can be creating a big ripple. So I've seen a great meme recently. Um, and I applaud that. That's very too rabbit hole, by the way, uh, what you're saying, which is like, you know, have fun and get woke kind of thing. Um, that, that's what we're all about here. Psychedelics and humor and art uh, and music and stuff going through uh, the levels of awareness to the highest, you know, infinitely on forever, whatever the fuck's going on. But um, I'm kind of curious if you find that... Um, what is your opinion of the internet? Uh, especially given the fact that you, I don't know how much digital art you do, but it's like, you're probably, you know, do you think that's a good thing? Are you all about it as an heavily Aquarian person? I mean, you're going to be using the internet and probably you know, making money and being a, a personality is a strong word, but being an entity through the internet and technology and stuff. Uh, and even thinking of art and, techniques as technology at some level um like are you afraid of things are you thinking elon musk is crazy trying to go to mars like what's your worldview in that sense because like yeah sometimes we've had flat earthers on here q and on people uh you seem pretty pragmatic so it sounds like you're more or less just like you know chop wood carry water have fun um kind of girl but uh i'm wondering if like what are you afraid of in terms of and that's a weird way to put it uh what freaks you out in terms of the world movie going on these days other than maybe COVID, obviously. So I'm um, I'm a huge advocate of I guess the internet. I think it's great uh, because it's basically just a, a way for all of us to connect. It's a way to share. That no, though there you know with every pro there is con. So of course there's issues with the internet such as uh, you know addiction is a big one. Um, bullying, cyberbullying. Like you know so many people are so addicted to their phones and social media. Like obviously all this there is a lot of cons. But I, I like to look at the positives and the fact that um, I can, you know, uh, video chat with someone in Australia and teach them how to make art. And I think that's really cool. And um, we, I can share, you know, all this information. And back in the day, like what people were doing, um, I mean, pre-internet was the most recent thing was like watching a lot of television, which was very, very basically um, kind of curated content from you know with very specific agendas and a lot of the uh, information on the internet can be curated as well but I think we have a bit more of a choice to curate so we can choose who we follow and that you know all the stuff we're seeing on social media is like positive or higher consciousness things we can choose what videos we watch on YouTube we can choose you know what we look up so we have more power to curate towards, um, you know, things that are more useful instead of just uh, kind of junk or fear-based media things. Um, I try to not focus on fear. Um, Catching that vibe. I'm like, maybe I asked the wrong question. It's like, what are you afraid um, of? Like, I don't want to talk about it. 
Um, I think I'm just kind of curious, like, if you think we're going Mars. dystopian or something. Yeah, Mars. Well, Mars I think that's even an option. Not, uh, I think we should focus on healing Earth. Yeah. <laughs> that's my whole, like, heal Earth, you know? Um, let's not go to another planet and just, like, you know, instead of, it's kind of like we have a house and it got messy are we just going to choose to move just because our house is dirty right now or are we just can we just clean it up and like you know instead of putting that much effort to get a new house like that's like so extreme just because well, we don't want to intellectual argument is that i mean this is also a presupposition based off of like you know certain you know material concepts but he's like it our species survival increases greatly if we can be not stuck on planet if something bad happens to it <laughs> basically i don't think it's so much like oh there's you know, i don't think it's like elysium like the uh, jodie foster movie where it's like oh there's i don't think it's an elite part of uh, maybe maybe i'm wrong and this is obviously where maybe Raphael's more into like breakaway civilizations and elite space races and stuff but uh i think it, the and i'm not like all about elon musk for the record i'm not like a huge fanboy i don't even really care but um, I think his push for going to Mars has more to do with like survival uh, and progress and in terms of like commerce and, you know, whatever resources are out there and that kind of stuff. Uh, then maybe like we've dirtied our diaper and now we're just going to go to a new diaper. Although I'm sure there's elements of that too. The dystopian kind of sci-fi Elysium taps more into that where it's like, there's not any good places to live. So we're just going to go not there anymore. <laughs> like it's like off world, you know, kind of Oregon trail or whatever. I think if it's coming from from that perspective, then I could see the value in it. Um, I think as long as we're taking very good care of Earth and putting as much effort or even more effort into our techno technological developments to improve this Earth and this environment, um, and you know, then maybe we can put you know maybe a little less or equal effort to developing uh, the being able to live in other environments. Uh, as long as we're not just trying to like you know treat Trashers. earth as a disposable uh, you know disposable planet i'm curious as an artist how you feel about nfts uh it's been a month since our last podcast because i've been just going through a lot and working and stuff but android jones was on recently and he's all about them um obviously i'm only bringing it up because two things have happened since we've talked to android um I, bitcoin has collapsed large you know a lot and I think the large part of that had to do, and I'm not an expert, but had to do with the fact that um, mining, crypto mining, and NFTs and all this stuff aren't necessarily environmentally friendly. So maybe people are having a backlash on that, slash who knows what. Okay, Rafa, I'd love your opinion. Yeah, I was like, Rafa definitely just, has an opinion. Just briefly comment. So number one, anyone interested in, in crypto <laughs> markets, uh, just to be aware, you know, look at, simply kindly look at long-term charts. And then nobody will be scared if something crashes 80%. It's not no, I'm not taking any money out no, for the I'm just, I'm just saying. It's not the first <laughs> time and so on. There's a whole lot to say about it. We've had shows on this. I won't go into it now too much. But was it NFTs... recently because of the environmental impact of mining, basically? Uh, yeah, sure. Suddenly they care so much, you know? And here, just know. just to point out what you mentioned, I'm completely with you, Juliana, in terms of healing the earth. Or like I'm like also, like, let's explore the sea. Or as Steve Wilner, I had a, let's say, private monologue with him recently, who's also into all of these topics and he also said well, let's explore antarctica you know like yeah. there's places we can't really go i want to know why you know but anyways just one reference in terms of uh, elon musk so just briefly Werner von braun I'm not sure if you're familiar juliana he was the nasa head and like the chief rocket scientist for 
NASA for many years, actually imported from Disney the... worked with him. Walt Disney made a video with him for the record. Yeah. Like, I mean, he, he was tight with Disney. Moon anyway, landings. <clears throat> uh, anyway, so he was imported through Operation Paperclip, I can very much assume, from the Nazis in Germany. Anyway, fudging around with rockets. He also has this secretary, Carol Rosen, who deliberately mentioned that he actually warned against the militarization of space and that's, that this will always be based like on fake threat scenarios in a sense. Just look up Carol Rosen. But anyways, uh, Werner von Braun also wrote a book called Project Mars, A Technical Tale by Dr. Werner von Braun. And Eddie Lin, whom we also had on the show, uh, recently posted this. And here it says, Chapter 24, How Mars is Governed. This was written in 1952. And it says, The Martian government was directed by 10 men, the leader of whom was elected by universal suffrage for five years and entitled Elon. Oh, wow. Don't yeah. So, <laughs> so much for seeing what is scripted reality and what is real. Um, and anyways, certainly I completely agree. No reason to waste resources on supposed rocket ships, you know, as long as we haven't got our stuff together and, you know, live in peace and prosperity, all of us, because there's plenty of abundance available for sure. So, yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's just funny because I think it was like yesterday that, that um, crypto was reacting to his SNL stuff last week or whatever. Uh, and I, I'm not like so neck deep in the chat rooms that I know what's going on, but I think it had more or less to do with um, hypocritical or faux or whatever reaction, uh, environmental kind of like awareness reaction. It's interesting times because I mean, it's, it's like, I mean, when is it not the best times, you know, Charles Dickens, the best of times, the worst times kind of thing it seems like we have the ability to like, you know, even just from a strictly materially reductionistic standpoint, which I know Raphael will cringe at, and I tend to be on the fence with like, because I'll say Hadron Colliders, that's pretty cool. Raphael will be like, that's not what's up. Uh, spiritual technology is what's up. I don't want to speak for you. I just, we've talked about this before. It's just an interesting time where like certain elements of understanding of the engineering of reality have hit their limits. And we're definitely at a, at a renaissance. You can feel the renaissance coming. I think oh, yeah. like we had to, you know, prime ourselves. Like it's almost like Daft Punk. That's a good example. They just broke up this year's RIP. I love them. Um, but it's like their whole premise was, I mean, they were normal DJs, right? From Paris. And then in 99 or whatever, they were like, we had a technical malfunction in the um, studio and now we're robots. Yay. Daft Punk. So, and now that may be iteration of their careers over, they'll probably still play music hopefully, but uh, maybe the robot rock era is over. But um that's a good example of like, you know, it's amazing stuff going in a great direction, but at the same time, I mean, if you watch any, you know, there's a movie called Kai and the Katsi, which is like Life Out of Bounds, or um, you ever see like National Geographic, sometimes they do a little like aerial footage of maybe India with people rooting through the garbage for fucking their meal that day. It's rough. Like we could be doing this better, clearly. So it's the best times, the worst times. And the weird part is the internet is making us very aware of it. So I can't tell if it's a tool that got out of the toolbox, like Promethean style, whether like, you know, Illuminati, whatever world governance types were like, oh shit, now they can all talk and collude. And maybe they're like, we've got more power than we realize. And, or if it's just, you know, a false option within options or whatever. I'm rambling. Sorry, I had to do that. But it's a, it's a great time to be alive. Have you ever fucked with VR art at all? Yeah, I have a VR headset and I've been uh, working to to learn it. It it is a bit of a learning curve to say no the least. Doubt. Yeah. Actually because I've always worked 2D and, and it's all 3D. Um so I've actually 
been talking to uh, someone who does 3D modeling to help me bring it to life. Um, but it is really interesting. I think it has a lot of potential once, especially once the headset headsets get a little more um, like comfortable for people that they don't get like dizzy or headaches. I think that also really helped. But I think it's like such a cool idea to be able to create like an, an artwork you can walk around in and like be fully immersed with audio, everything like you're there. I think that'd be so cool. Um, actually, my Infinite Self uh, Plays the Game artwork is the one I'm trying to create first in VR. Um, oh, what's up? I can see that doing walking, that. Yeah, walking on the board game and like, you know, like it, it'd be really cool um, to to make that into uh, a VR. Um, yeah. So what I'm really curious about, where do you see the, let's say, connecting bridge? Because in a sense, I mean, I'm always like, you know, VR is nice and again, just briefly mentioning Musk, Neuralink and so on. And I'm always like, haha, I can't stop laughing because anyone who's seen the TMT realms, why would I want to hook up myself to like a... It's like the Dollar Tree whatever version thing. of the thing. Exactly, yeah. Dollar Tree version, yeah. But still, you know, VR can, of course, display a lot, which otherwise you couldn't display and can maybe give you more sense of that realm. How do you see those two kind of interconnecting? Because there could be a great symbi symbiosis as well, right? I think that um, bringing through the visions are not just for people that have experienced it already, but for the people that don't really, um, it's also very important. So there's a lot of people that, you know, won't do DMT. And, or You're like anything. a midwife shaman, basically. So, so <laughs> it'd be so great to be able to provide them a, a message that the medicines provide, you know, from the DMT realms. To those people, if they can put on a headset and receive a spiritual experience that, you know, was provided through me, uh, to me through the medicines. But then I created this like interactive, uh, you know, mystical experience, then they can, you know, learn something and it can like change them, you know, drastically. Uh, I think that's important, too. And for the people that have had similar experience, then it's like a good remembrance and a sense of connection. Like, oh, this wasn't just me that experienced this like game this union with god it's um like you know something that all of us are awaking to so that then they feel connected and the people that don't do it you know learn something so i think it benefits both yeah well in a sense that's the mission of art right to like talk about the things and then like you were saying in a way that language can't so like these are the ways to save and direct humanity when language is failing. Rafael, I didn't mean to get no, I'm just for thinking you. from like a psychic hygiene standpoint, I guess <laughs> it's been a huge shift the past, I guess, 20 years or something. Because I can remember when I first started looking up and stuff, you want to see like religious imagery or cult imagery. And then at some point, visionary art became popular. And I guess it can greatly help anyone simply to be like, oh, it's just like you said, it's not only me seeing this. And then it becomes really relatable because what I always tend to think about in terms of the whole, let's say, extraterrestrial etheric energy question is always like, well, if everybody was just not afraid to share whatever strange dream they had or whatever it is, you know, then it all be on the table pretty quickly. And I think the situation would be pretty obvious if people were not afraid to simply openly share the perception, you know, without any judgment or anything, just kind of comparing notes as you like to say jim but that could be dependent on a lot of factors like yuga based like it might be very hard to tell the truth right now or something like that or more recently or whatever art makes it more culturally acceptable if these visionary images are prevailing 
and people see them even people that aren't into like you know psychedelics they start seeing them you know like you were saying like the the soccer moms with the flower of life you know and things like that then it starts to become like these topics start to become more um less taboo normalized. Yeah, more, normalized. more normalized and then people can talk about yeah i had this very beautiful mystical experience that healed me through the medicines and i had this wonderful experience in my dreams and I, uh, you know, then all those topics become much more acceptable once the, you know, with the art, you know, affecting culture in that way and the visuals starting to prevail. So um, well, I think a picture of Paris Hilton with Alex Gray and Allison Gray. Yeah. And I mean, I'm pretty sure uh, Lindsay Lohan's done ayahuasca and talked about it. I don't know if it's like changed it for the better or anything, but it's, it seems like these things are just all in the front door, like whether it's, you know, ancient cultures pharmacological yeah. answers i.e ayahuasca or people synthesizing things in the lab i.e lsd or whatever psychedelics that way and it's just, i just hope we can kind of hand like it it's a weird situation it's a crazy world <laughs> obviously and people are i don't know what your worldview is but i mean when we're talking about raising consciousness it seems like i mean i'm way into astrology obviously and i think there's you know epochs and I don't need to go off into my whole thing, but it's like we're definitely in a an aeon shift, if you want to put it that way, like a shifting of the times. Um, it's not, I mean, every moment's eternal and that's cool. Be in the present moment, be here now. I get that paradoxically, like sometimes you're not all the same, if that, if that makes sense. Um, like, you know, 9-11 was a different day than the day before and the day after. So uh, uh, even though it was not what we think it is, <laughs> for the record, but uh, it might have been a cult ritual. Um yeah, you're one of those people where I, I uh, you're, you're a very uh, Aquarian. Obviously, we could talk to you about anything in any level. Uh, we didn't touch much upon DMT. I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, besides it tasting horrible and maybe being not like as easy who to says, find as weed. Yeah, who says, Jim? <laughs> I, like I mean, uh, like stand out and say that I really, really like the taste and smell. Do you? Yeah, I do. I love it. Oh I think my it's gosh! Maybe I know we're uh, about in a past life. I smell and... it, and I'm like, uh, it like smells sweet to me, <laughs> and like it reminds me of those all the beautiful experiences I've had in it. And honestly, it's my favorite medicine, uh, easily. Even though it's it's you know probably not the most powerful medicine experience. Really, the only thing that's topped it is like the five meo DMT. But and then uh, is my favorite because it it's so visual and like fractally and just. It's so inspirational for artworks, but more more importantly, it's very inspirational for my life and my spiritual practice, which is why it inspires more deeply my art. Um, I think it's it's a absolutely wonderful medicine with a lot of potential because it's you know technically a, a molecule that's already within us, um, you know according to some science. Uh, hopefully, more research research will be done once uh, you know um, uh, legalization is. Um, moves forward and all this legislation then you know i think that's a very important thing is just more research because it has so these medicines have so much potential if we can uh, research them and understand them more deeply scientifically then we can know how to use them to help humanity um and it just seems like it has so much potential there was talk they were talking about how it has um potential to help the brain heal and all sorts of really cool things and and more importantly it, it has the potential to heal us deeply and the fact that it only lasts like about 15 minutes is really this cool. man's trip yeah. yeah so it's it's and it's such a powerful trip 
So how cool would it be if you can have um like you know uh professionals that are like super trained in this help heal people and it just takes them 15 minutes and they can heal uh and be in a safe environment with a professional and afterwards they can focus on integrating and you know that's I think that's a big benefit of it is that um I think all medicines are are like well, I don't want to say like maybe all, but most medicines are, are really wonderful. Uh, they all have their strengths and weaknesses. Um, but I think that's a huge strength of DMT is it's, it's this time because if um, it's you're um, working with like someone that's trying to heal, working with a facilitator and they have to do like LSD, that's like 12 hours uh, or like mushrooms, eight hours versus they can yeah. in, doing a session 15 minutes and getting such a powerful wonderful experience um it, it definitely i think has a lot of potential for uh therapeutical use and um yeah spiritual practice and uh artistic inspiration so many great things and it's it's healed me so much and uh just you know whenever i get caught up in samsara and you know the game um it, it always just like going back and remembering those experiences of oh it's just a game and all is perfect and you know one with god and it just like puts a smile on my face it's, it's definitely healed me um to be able to like refer back to those experiences yeah dmt is definitely i mean i've done it a few times we've talked about it enough on the podcast that's, that's how rafael and i became friends i had posted a trip report and he hit me up about it basically uh it's definitely one of those experiences that are synesthetic and ineffable I don't even know how universal, I mean, it seems like there's universal tropes, right? Um, uh, whether it's quote entities and breaking through, you know, um, or certain kind of aesthetic tropes. I remember smoking, uh, taking some DMT down to Florida, actually, I was uh, in Orlando and smoking with my friend, um, Melanie Bell. She's an artist. I don't know if you know her, she's down there. And anyway, uh, basically uh we both were like whoa we're getting mad like aztecian and reptilian motifs it wasn't so much like we've broken through and gone and talked to like you know whatever it was more just like kind of almost I've, it's weird it's almost like tools newest album uh alex gray's artwork for ladder uh whatever it is uh, fear inoculum um it, it's kind of like that kind of realm anyway i'm rambling dmt is this crazy kind of place it it, it seems only a matter of time i mean people like um Alex Jones have said the elites are doing DMT and crazy stuff. I have to imagine that, you know, people are doing research with this shit. It's just not public knowledge necessarily. Uh, maybe that's just paranoid of me, but one would think like, you know, there's clones and DMT elf cooperations. Maybe that's what the Hadron Collider is. Who knows? It'd be really cool to see like what, uh, if it was like deeply studied by science uh which is why i advocate for maps so much yeah. uh like especially with the how many people interact with beings with entities uh, while using dmt it's it's so so frequent that um it'd be really cool to see like you know if, uh to research these entities and like you know are these just you know there's the whole argument is or are these just like hallucinations and or is it like something we're actually tapping into? So um, it'd be really cool to see what the science has to say about that. Uh, would love uh, for that research to, to come around. 
Well, not to get too woo, and I'm not, and this sounds so woo, Raphael knows this is not how I roll, roll on podcasts typically. I'm not going to say I'm channeling this message, but I just had this musing idea where you were talking about, oh, it'd be great to have research on DMT and what's the phenomenological kind of inner workings are from a certain mechanical and maybe um, a standardizable model kind of thing, um, mapping that realm. Um, and the thought came to me about, I don't even know if that's ultimately possible because in some way it's like the infinite recurving recursing on itself <laughs> in a way uh if you've ever read the book or seen the movie sphere by michael Crichton, it's not that great so you don't have to like you know drop your shit and go get it right now or anything but it's you know michael Crichton's got jurassic park and um congo and a bunch of kind of sci-fi ish realistic books dramas um sphere is one of them and anyway you go into the sphere that they found on the bottom of the ocean ironically we're saying explore the oceans maybe there are these things on the bottom of the fucking ocean you go to the bottom of the ocean and they find the sphere you go inside and your your inner desires manifest but also ultimately obviously your fears and you know paranoia and all this stuff so it's like this weird kind of pandora's box um it'd be interesting to see uh the visual i was getting i'm not saying i'm channeling because that's too strong but it's like i was getting this like the visual of like um the self inverting on itself to a point where I don't know uh, if we can explain it. I, I, it's weird. I, I like science. Do you think science has limits in terms of explanation? Like you were talking about, like you hit limits linguistically and then art popped through. So are we good? There's a good chance we'll come up with new sciences, I guess is a bit, a good way to put it. New ways of perceiving kind of like before the Renaissance, uh, Renaissance in Italy, there wasn't perspective in art as much or if at all. And then pop goes Leonardo da Vinci. So, um, It'll be, I'm just rambling. I'm so sorry. I'm taking you out, guys, on like a, a detour of my musings. But it'd be interesting to see if, like, all of a sudden we shift our perspective soon, like Jodie Foster in Contact, where it's like all of a sudden we're like, oh, now we kind of have a new way of perceiving things. Or if all of a sudden, I don't know. Um, you can, I think it's, it's kind of maybe impossible to try to express um, in, even in science. Like, DMT like, is like pie. It's like, yeah, what? <laughs> like it's because it's, it's so infinite and like yeah. complex but i think what what science can do is just provide us more information if you know we could do like you know surveys of like uh using the scientific method about okay this Did many you people, meet your ancestors <laughs> yeah this many people see entities uh, this many people say they look like this and they can just like study it and just get more information and, and study how it affects the body so um you know we could you know, I don't think science is going to be able to ever maybe explain the experience fully, but it could give us more insight um, about the the links between people, uh, pe di different people's experiences and, you know, start to kind of uh, give us a greater understanding of, of what this um, substance is about. Yeah, it's the greatest mystery. I mean, the pyramids yeah. are kind of like a fucking what the fuck is going on here kind of thing. And a few yeah, things on to, Earth, DMT is like the universe. Yeah. It's like, what is but this? But to truly, like, I feel like to truly un fully understand it is like to actually do it and to be in that experience. And that's like the one moment where you can like almost like un truly understand is when you're actually there. Yeah, um, you don't give a fuck when you're on it. And then you come yeah. back you're like, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so bizarre uh well you're doing a really good job with your art trying to translate the ineffable into an aesthetic form um i think you're you know you're on mission bodhisattva vows dare i say not accomplished but en route <laughs> um and you know i think your your art's awesome i think you've got a good eye uh it's fascinating to hear your journey and your perspectives i'm kind of curious if there's any kind of 
projects or you know things on the horizon that you're really all about or want to talk about briefly and then uh, we'll kind of get parting thoughts and dip uh yeah so currently probably one of my my biggest projects will actually have two really big projects um currently working on making um so you know the the peace of mind the infinite self plays the game i'm making a, a more complex version of it uh with a moving wheel that's going to be about nine feet tall um so it's gonna be a pretty large piece uh with a motor and the motorized wheel um that i hope to create uh, as a meditation piece uh, hopefully put it somewhere where a lot of people can go and see it and meditate in front of it to try to remember uh the game uh when life gets difficult to kind of take off some of that suffering um so that's a big very big project i've been working on for about probably like a bit over a year now and you know it still has a long way to go but i'm super excited when it does um you know, do you come have to, any places you want to put that in particular, like Asheville, or are you like anybody um, to do it can do it? No, honestly, I would, I would really love to put it in Art Basel. And if anybody knows Art Basel, it's oh, yeah. like the yeah, you know, biggest art event. Uh, and the reason is because uh, I've gone to Art Basel a few times, and uh, like I said, I feel like it lacks so much uh, spirit. It's a lot of modern art, and there's a lot of very influential people that go to it. Um, and I think if a piece like that uh, could be there, I think it would, um, you know, maybe make those people that are so influ influential think about existence and it would maybe change the whole vibration of that, but that um, convention. Plant a seed of liberation. Yeah, a big seed there. So that's uh, my big goal is to, to get it into Art Basel. We'll see how that goes. And another really big project I currently have going on is um, my legalized psychedelics project. So, you know, if some of you are familiar with my poster, like I was talking about earlier, uh, I made the English poster, but now I'm working on making posters uh, um, in some of the most popular languages. Yeah, all the most popular languages with like the most popular flags uh, to try to catalyze a worldwide movement. Um, oh, that's dope. That's a good idea. You're like, let's see what pops. <laughs> Watch Japan like, yeah. have legal DMT tomorrow. <laughs> crazy anyway. Yeah, kind of scared to do some of the countries, though, to be honest. Like, should I really put out a Chinese one? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. North Korea. Well, they know. may need it the most, you know? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Hey, someone's got to do it. <laughs> so, that's what's uh, up. So no, that's very cool though. Your projects are, uh, you know, big vision, big scope, and and um, for the people, you know, it's it's you've got generational impact kind of vision here. So I I'm all about it. I Godspeed. Like I hope you get those missions accomplished for sure. Uh, we'll have to get you back on here sometime. I and mean, we've had some artists. Maybe if we uh, have an art a round table, or if, you, if there's anything you want to talk about in particular, again, um, get you on here. But thanks for gracing us with your time. Uh, is there any kind of like parting message? Uh, but, I mean, I, I guess I'm pulling the trigger. Rafael, are there any questions that we didn't ask that you want to do? Oh, it's fine, please. We've discussed plenty. You know, it's been amazing hearing you share your perspectives. And yeah, if there's any parting thoughts, kindly do share as well. Uh, well, I just want to say uh, thank you both for having me. And thank you to all the listeners. And just want to say uh, may all beings be liberated from suffering blessings i guess yeah we're all contractually obligated now guys auditorily to deal with it uh yeah no juliana thank you for uh, coming on and it's been a pleasure uh rafael 
I'm not sure how I feel about Jitsi, but we'll figure it out. But because uh, like I'm used to music and stuff and intros and outros, but we'll figure that out. Maybe they'll still be here. I'm a total dummy on this front. Uh, but yeah, Raphael, thanks for holding the space. And um, guys, yeah, just try to enjoy the ride. Uh, laugh at yourself, and like she's like her piece is you know in her future larger piece is saying it's a game, cosmic game. So enjoy the fucking ride if you can. Yeah, so thank you, Juliana. Thank you, Jim, as always. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Keep planting the seeds. Remember, it's a game and enjoy yourselves. Thank you.